0: Hello, and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin managing partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right, my guest today is Penny Homa, the co-founder of homa to u For those of you who don't know, homa to u is an online to offline building materials and interior finishes marketplace that's supplied from brand new items on through to unused construction materials, discarded and overstock markets. Thank you very much for being here today, Penny.
1: Hello, Kevin. How have you been?
0: very well very well now anyone that knows me knows that i always start a conversation with understanding the origin story so take me back how did you start your entrepreneurial journey and how did you decide on launching homa to you
1: Um, it has to be rewind back to like six years ago when i actually helped one of my good friends who solved uh one of the i wouldn't say like a really major major problems but every of the business involved money right so he actually overpurchased um, the towels, the flooring material of half a million and uh, in due to the staffing uh, mistake, the the staff problems. So this has indirectly caused one of the financial crisis in his company. Um, I have been in the industry for the past 16 years. So this is very, this is, he is one of the re- really very dear friend of mine. And because of that, I'm thinking like, okay, if this is the purchase, why don't I just help my friend to clear off the stock so that he could actually get some money to pay off the suppliers? So this batch of stock, actually, I find another buyer uh, who is a retailer. And we just take this particular so-called overstock uh, that he overbought and then we just trade it to reseller. And that is how we actually help the companies to solve this problem. Um, When six years ago, I was actually helping my parents uh, my family business of uh, trading all these kind of building materials to construction related companies and this has actually given me an idea like if we could help people I mean if he could have this problem that means there are many of the construction companies who face this problem as well like probably human error that someone actually purchased uh, wrongly or it could be also our industry problem that especially is uh houses nowadays is very costly so customers are prone to be like very knowledgeable that they will find all kind of information in the website so the kind of complaints that uh or the quality assurance that requested by the consumer uh, become very high so it is a norm for our construction related companies to actually have a 7 to 15 percent wastage, just to make sure that when there is a complaints from the customer they will be able to do the rectified jobs True enough, six years ago, after I really go into a lot of construction companies and find out if they really have this kind of overstock, and I found that this is actually one of the major issues. Most of the stock that they overpurchase or they force to purchase, right, after the construction finish, they will have to either keep it at the basement or they will have to push it to the junkyard. And for your information all this material that we have right are considered a non-biodegradable degradable construction material you just imagine that you renovate a house i'm sure that you have a mm-hmm. lot of all this kind of leftover, maybe a couple a couple of cartons of towels have been left in your storeroom right now you just put an example that there are thousands of houses that developers is building and this is a massive waste that we are solving it and taking uh the right on this a particular uh, rubbish problem or into this kind of uh, waste right we thought that this could be one of the idea that we can really focus on you know helping to reduce the burden to the environment yet we will be able to give a lots of discount to our customer because all this material was being purchased, meaning to say they already don't have a second life ready and yet we will be able to still make a profit it is just like a very simple idea of like how one man trash can actually become another treasure of someone else. That is how we actually started the entire idea based on that. Yeah.
0: I, I, I love that last part, but I, I love how you're like, you like, you started from an insider's knowledge of the, of the industry and the space and realizing that everybody ends up over ordering. You have to have excess stock as a construction company for the reasons that you highlighted. And then what yeah. happens with it? as As you said, the, it ends up enabling this circular nature of it to where it's not just going to end up in a landfill somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but i I am curious when you when you look at that segments of the business, is it primarily the large construction uh, projects that that you really target where they're putting up apartment complexes, or is it also residential houses, et cetera, that is having this excess uh, issue?
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, in due to limited resources, we can't really go down to like uh, residential because residential could be, you know, they have probably a leftover of like one, two cartons or very small quantities mm. that you can't probably reuse it in, in another projects. Yeah. Um, but in the near future, we could probably come up with another marketplace or most of the people will trade their so-called overstock through, you know, Facebook marketplaces and all. Mm. Um, but we are solving a more serious problem is because you just imagine being a construction company and probably handling a few hundred million projects. Do you probably the one, 200,000 kind of leftover is something that you will not really care about unless mm-hmm. this thing has already caused you a problem, example, financially, or maybe a space issue. Then you will think of, okay, right now, I need to look for some solutions to really get rid of things like that. Mm-hmm. What we are trying to do is you don't, as a developer or contractors, you don't have to really get your hands dirty we are one of the solution that uh we were happy to clear off, be it just one few hundred thousand dollars or up to like a few million dollars. And we we knew that this is going to be one of the uh massive problems for them because you just imagine if this company has been there for 20 years and they probably have built more than like 20, 30 projects mm-hmm. and the kind of massive waste that they have created, eventually when they, they wanted to do a land clearing or things like that, they would need a solution of of getting rid of this. I would say that in Malaysia, maybe the problem is not so serious until that the developer has to start doing something. But you just imagine in Singapore, the land mm. is very scar and things are very expensive. <laughs> so this is one of the solutions that we knew that um, we will be able to help a lot of companies, be it big or small, to solve mm-hmm. this, uh, not just because of the you know, profit and things like that, but more towards like how you mentioned the circular economies. We are trying to make the kind of influence or we would say that um, probably an education methods that whenever you want to buy, you don't buy access. Probably do a lot of um a more precaution way of why not before you create a waste and you stop, you know, creating the waste. This is what we are trying to do at, the, at this point of time, you know, besides taking off those kind of stock. I think this is the only solution that we can really help to solve uh, in order for us to, you know, move on that way
0: okay yeah okay so is, would it be correct to say that the the majority of these construction firms are doing one of two things they're they're either storing the excess in some sort of land or facility that they have hoping that they can use it on another project yeah. or maybe they're paying some sort of firm in order to take it to a wastage management or something along those sort of lines it's it's generally one of those two categories yeah
1: um I would say in Malaysia um the majority will find a land mm. to really store those kind of things is because land
0: lands abundant yeah. and cheap a and, uh, and, uh, yeah.
1: abundant land or probably they will store it in basement two, three, or four. These <clears> are <throat> the general thing that people do is because you just imagine that if you want to discard, you need a lot of money to discard. yeah, you have to call you know for whatever whatever service you need to pay. And most of the time you cannot just discard like a few hundred thousand stock, <laughs> the thing that is still usable. So most of the people, they will think like, okay, like you mentioned, Okay, I'll just keep it in somewhere. Most of the time, I'll be using it for another project or, you know, going to somewhere. They, they, they'll probably just donate it to someone rather than just discard. Mm-hmm. But the problem is once you keep it already, especially in construction companies, right? They don't really have like an inventory system that I'll keep, you know, uh, keep track of this kind of stuff. So they will tend to forget about it and then they will keep on order. So from yeah. one acres of <laughs> land, it becomes two acres and then it will become three acres and so on. Yeah. Until there is one time that the, the storage is already full then they will start to donate
0: yeah so yeah.
1: this is what is happening but in singapore is different because the the land is very expensive what people do is okay i'll just discard mm. so discard to probably malaysia or indonesia this is what they actually did so it's a different kind of region yeah. they will have different kind of solution as well yeah
0: and, and when they discard it's 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 going it's going to waste or they're simply donating it to whoever's willing to pick it up
1: because um, I, I, I
0: imagine, you know, the same way that I have to pay uh, a fee in order to collect the rubbish from my home or my business, yeah. I, I'm kind of imagining that they're having to pay a fee for some somebody to come and collect it, yeah?
1: Unfortunately, to comes to, you know, recycle. Malaysian is still not, um, not doing a very good job in a way that we don't distribute what kind of waste. So most of the time, you know, in construction, there were thousands of kind of waste. So most of the time they were just discard. you know, this, of course, if the quantity is massive, they can actually take it to donate to some temples or mm. some charity home or things like that. But most of the time, people don't manage stock like this. Mm. So they were like, okay, these are the sum of the stock. There is a bin coming in, I'll just chuck everything in. So these are the things that most of the time, although it can be reused, but most of the time it will be treated as a rubbish to go to the landfill. This is the thing that we have actually noticed. And it was very toxic in a way. And it's a waste of resources as well.
0: Okay. Okay. So then you come in and do you offer the, the, the ability to pick it up from the location? And do you have your own storage facilities as well? Or how do you manage the inventory side yourself?
1: Um, when we started, we really have to manage it ourselves by picking up the stocks. It was a very painful, and, uh, painful process because uh, okay. while we are trying to recover all these things, we have to do the education part. Um, the starting part would be we will have to take off, take back whatever junk that was. I would I wouldn't want to put it, as, but in a way that they would treat the whole thing as like junk, and then we yeah. will have to take it back into our current uh, warehouse. Then we will have to do the sorting and et cetera Before we can actually sell it to uh, the public, um, through the first processes, then we actually learn how you know overstock, um, or kind of thing. Then we begin to educate them by you know um, these are some of the stocks that you really need to take care of how you actually able to put it and how you're going to store it right now most of the stock we actually have two methods one if really our clients do not have enough space already this is one of the problems we actually have a warehouse that we will help them to store and end of the day we'll be charging them a minimal fee or second if the contractors actually do have a space like example in a basement or they have a warehouse we will then put the stock over there whenever there is a supplies or there is a purchase then we will go and pick it up from the space because we do not just handle um, construction uh, leftover at the moment. We're also mm-hmm. working with factories. Factories will have like overproduced, probably awesome. aging stocks.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, they will probably have like uh the discontinued items and so on. Mm-hmm. So those items we are currently working back to back, meaning you say they are all brand new products in a good condition, just that you know the inventories wasn't being seen. So right now we are taking this and then whenever there is a customer purchase, then we will go to the warehouse and pick it up. Mm-hmm. So these are the two methods.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so if, if it's being stored at the, the the construction company's facilities, you have to be able to register it and, in, and inventory it as well. So you have like a trained person that goes out on site or do you leverage any sort of what what's the process like in order to be able to understand, you know, quality, what type of material it is, how, yeah. you know, if it's tile, how many square feet or how many, yeah. uh, you know, those sort of details.
1: Yeah. So far, we only work with people uh have a, a, have a purchaser in their company. So what we actually did was, you know, the purchaser will have to count all this kind of stuff. And most of the time, they won't be able to sell it uh, off. Uh, those are the conditions that we are working with them. Example, this purchaser is the the person that we will be liaising with. So whenever there is a sales happen, then our people will then contact. Uh, the purchaser then we will go and pick it up but most of the time they will not want to store this item themselves they will still put it in our warehouse mm-hmm. so then we actually have our warehouse with the management system and so on to manage the inventories and you know how many scrap and so on yeah
0: okay and then it's kind of it's kind of on like a consignment basis is it uh, to where you only are paying them when you sell it
1: yes you are right because um as HOMA right we are really like a platform. What we are trying to do is we are facilitating the entire processes. So we cannot be taking other people' junk to become our junk, to become our stock, and then we try to re- uh, resell it. But end of the day, it will become our old stock again. So what we are trying to do is we are trying to use design and matching by providing a different kind of service. So we actually do have like solution consultants that help customer to really match products. For example, we see like your area probably your car posh is one thousand square feet, and you like grey colour. We will then check it out or most of the time right now, our inventories was being synced from the WMS to the website. So customer can see okay, right now I only have 1,000 square feet and I think that these particular products can able to fit the size that I want. Then they will make a purchase directly from online. Then we will get it delivered. But of course, if you know, a lot of end user or customer, they might not know like how to calculate and things like that. So Mm -hmm. we will still input the customer service person to really help customer to make a decision making. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's focus on that end user, the the customer side of who's ultimately purchasing it from you. So on the one side, the supply side is coming from larger construction firms, generally speaking. Yeah. And on the customer side, What's the typical profile is it is it a do-it-yourself home remodel Is it a home remodel construction firm what what's the what's the typical customer profile?
1: Mm, about five years ago when we started we do actually attracted a lot of villages you know a lot of kampung um, Malay uh, people because mm-hmm. they they tend to do a lot of DIY and renovation in a small scale. So they will tend to, you know, today I come to Homa, I will bring my whole entire villages, uh, some of the people <laughs> to come along. And that is how we started. But along the way, we knew that if we were to go through this kind of process, uh, the business is going to be really very community based and it's mm. going to grow very slow. Right now, uh, especially during the pandemic, um, a lot of people couldn't really travel, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. We started to move our business model to more towards like a B2B to C. Right now, uh, we are working with a lot of interior designer contractors or okay. a smaller scale developers that like they probably build a pocket size of like 20, 30 units of houses. These are the people that we are currently working with and they are actually our customer. We are not really working with like, you know, taking this big construction company's material to supply to another big company's mm-hmm. uh, con- uh, construction related, but we are more towards like still a renovation kind of thing, be it renovation or like probably some commercial projects, but it still mainly go back to like renovation segment
0: yeah okay okay um and so the the way that you ended up developing that channel i mean i'm going to make an assumption here and tell me whether it's correct but because of your background i'm assuming that you had existing relationships with a lot of the construction firms so managing the supply side of the business was probably a relatively not easy but a relatively easy scale up for you but getting the customer side is, is a bit of a new segment, I would guess, for you. And so how did you go about building that side of the business?
1: Um, yeah, like you mentioned, it's still a supply and demand. And mm. then, you know, when we have the supply in and we have to make sure that the demand is on site as well. I would say that getting the supplies is really not, not extremely difficult because um, especially when I have already in the industry. So getting the supply mm. is, not, is not something difficult. Getting the demand on site, uh, I would still say relatively uh, easy for us, is because um when we started, because we are selling like a second, I, I wouldn't say second hand, but it's more towards like uh uh oversupplies kind of thing. So we right. actually use a price as the attacker. A lot of people will say, like, okay, I used to pay like $10, 10 ringgit for mm-hmm. a brand new items. Right now, Homa is only selling like seven, seven ringgit. So mm-hmm. I may be compromising probably on certain of the you know, packaging and things like that, but generally the product is still very good. Um, We actually drive this particular business, number one, Uh, where we've started is using price attacker. After we have started that already, we started to build our community. And this community are the people who started to drive into sustainability. Do you think that we actually do influence like, you know, why would you want to purchase new, as in brand new from the factory? but instead you can actually get it as a discounted price yet you are actually helping to save the environment so mm. this has actually uh, become one of the very norm thing for us to really do a shout out and eventually we do attract a lot of customer that is coming back through word of mouth and because the business model itself is just not like money making but it's more like solving really one of the uh, major problems in the construction of course when we talk about oil and gas or you know renewable energy and things like that we may not be there yet But construction is actually taking up a very, very massive problem in terms of, you know, uh, environment as well. So we do attract um, some uh, media to really get a lot Mm -hmm. of cover for us. So this has actually helped us to build the brand and demand as well. Eventually, for the past five years, it was because of this, then it actually helped to keep a balance because the demand is there, because of the shout out is there, because of the appearance that we appear in many of the different kind of um media and especially you know a female entrepreneur is doing something that is very manly in the industry so we we actually got a lot of covers from all the places and because of that we also get the supply not just from my circle but it's more towards like a lot of different kind of people who refer here and there so okay. right now our companies become a community and people's company that drive this thing forward together yeah okay. that is how we actually manage it yeah
0: okay okay and so i mean it's 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 marketed as you know not brand new but in reality it's unused by and large even though yes. that pallet of tile may have been open to fulfill a project and it yep. may be only a quarter pallet left yes. it's never actually been used in a location a yeah
1: yes 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 it's as a killer says, uh, the, this is say, uh, the case. but sometimes they might be have some you know because the thing they do not I mean, the kind of products, most of the time, a lot of contractors do not really aware. So they will tend to like leave it outside and then it will be rain and shine and then started to have fungals and things like that. So mm-hmm. it is not and I mean, the product is entirely brand new and the quality is still there. It's just that we have to convince our customer that you probably need to do a little bit of cleaning, or mm-hmm. you may have to accept a little bit of chipping at the site, but doesn't mean that this product is not usable. You can probably put it into places that is not so obvious. But it's still usable to a lot of people like, I just want to save some costs, you know, probably some backyard that I wanted to do some renovations that I really don't mind of, mm. you know, a little bit of chipping or probably stain. What I want is something that is usable and is economical. So that okay. is how we educate our people to, you know, by reducing this for every of the meter square, you're able to help to reduce 16.42 kilo of CO2. They were like, wow, we actually did something you know, besides you know, um, buying from Homa. This is something that we can really help the planet Earth to make it a greener place. So, that yeah. is how we actually make it uh turn around, yeah.
0: Yeah, you take less out of the landfill at that point in time, and you don't have to exactly. create new product in order to fulfill this, uh, because yes. of the natural state of the market where by necessity these companies must over order in order to you know problems happen on construction sites it's inevitable so there's always safety supply
1: yes correct correct you are right you're right
0: okay okay and so currently you're in singapore and malaysia or have you expanded the business to other markets as well
1: we are currently only in malaysia but we are planning to expand our business um to singapore in the first quarter of next year Ah, okay um a lot of business study you know analysis and research have to be done because Mm -hmm. um Although it's a very similar business context, but uh, in terms of customer behavior and the buying patterns, it may still be different. Uh, hence we are, yeah, yeah, we are looking for a partners over there in Singapore to really mm-hmm. work together hand in hand to solve these very very crucial problems in construction.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'd I'd imagine two things. Uh, first, I'd imagine on on the side of this getting supply, the dynamics are probably the same. Even some of the names of the companies are likely the same. Yeah. But the same issue that you highlighted in regards to storage and how yeah. a lot of the Singapore firms just prefer to uh, discard. I yeah. imagine that's probably the biggest trick to to be able to solve in order to enable that market.
1: Yeah. Hence, technology is very important because, you know, Customer is probably the same, They will, we are actually focusing on people who are really conscious about cost and also into sustainability. Mm-hmm. But talking about if we were to set up the entire model in Singapore, it would be seriously very costly. Mm-hmm. So what we can do in Singapore is we probably have to do the matching part, which then we will have to use our website to to make sure that you know contractors actually managing this part of stock so that we can actually do like a trade in between rather than we are taking the stocks of course mm. if the stock is massive then we can probably put it in like a more economy more a more economical place in jb Yeah. but yeah you know it's a different cost it's a it's a double handling costs that we are mm. trying to eliminate because you know, uh, if we were to mobilize our transportation and things like that, we are basically creating another CO2 coming out from the processes. Okay. So this is the thing that we are trying to see if we can use technology to really do a facilitating rather than we take back the stock and we sell it. We want to make the trade happen between the contractors and probably the sellers. and and a bias as well
0: when when you say the technology and 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 all of that does it mean that you need to integrate in with the with the systems of the construction firms where they have a running tally of the usage etc they always have this planned excess provision as well so being able to actually have that level of visibility is what you're talking about yeah
1: yes yes there are two things that we can actually leverage because in singapore and malaysia the differences is the adaptability in terms of, you know, WMS and some of the uh, building materials, software over there in Singapore is much more established. There are so many companies in Singapore, uh, uh, construction companies that is using, you know, uh, material tracking. So basically, their inventory management system is so much better in compared to people, companies in Malaysia. So hence, we can sort of like track by using these kind of methods. So because Singaporean is... uh, Companies in Singapore, they have to comply to certain of the green, you know, that kind of stuff. So to Mm. them, they want to discuss things also. They will have to really look into this part of it. So it's Mm. easier to manage that way uh, in compared to Malaysia. So there is a pros and cons in both sides of the context, I would say.
0: Yeah. right right i guess let me, let me ask an additional question on the singapore and, and, and maybe it's a misconception that i have but you know when you look at malaysia for example as a point of comparison there's there's a number of buildings that are under construction there's a lot of activity that's going out there some not so fast some a little bit faster but that's a separate a separate topic yeah. but there's a yeah. lot of construction across across the country yeah. when thinking about singapore I kind of take this maybe, and it's a misconception, but that it's a it's a little bit more developed. That there's not as much new stuff going up on a regular mm. basis. Is that true, or am I incorrect in that?
1: I would say that it, it is considered true, and not true is because um, Singapore <laughs> Singapore government is trying to implement uh, a new area of the developments, which they are trying to um, grow their you know uh, population by eight millions. In mm. a couple of years so these are some of the major uh, developments that they are planning to build if i'm not mistaken the figure is they are planning to build uh additional ten thousand houses in a uh, in couple of years like two three years okay. kind of time so there will be a massive construction over there but besides that right you know um singapore most of the houses was like hdb or probably some private properties mm-hmm. and so on that they are required to do a lot of renovations after a certain uh, period of time to them, demolishing a, a property is not something that they will be doing because they are into like ESG, you know, sustainability right. and so on. But maintaining and upkeep the property is something that they are looking into it. Hence, we are actually working with uh we were, we wanted to work with companies like uh Amendment and Authorization uh authorization in Singapore that they might be after five years or seven years or ten years, they need to tear down certain of the part and do, do up, you know, to to renovate the, the place. So these are the companies that Besides the brand new uh developments, we will also be working with this group of people. Hence, okay. you know, if there is a purchase, there is activities going on, the demand and supply will still be still be there. Because okay. it will it will not be just just in time or as I mentioned, humans become very smart nowadays and mm-hmm. they become very demanding. So mm-hmm. especially when I pay for so much of the money, I will want everything to be perfect. Hence mm-hmm. the wastage will always be there no matter what. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm yeah, so I guess was, uh, on the aspect of the need, the requirement for renovation, if it's going through HTB, is is that going through a centralized party of who's responsible for making sure that that renovation is being done or do the individuals have personal selection? And Definitely. does that change your end user sales strategy approach?
1: Um, I would say yes because uh, recently we do have some of the uh, conversation with uh companies over there in Singapore. What we noticed that uh, the HDB was basically a government, you know, a government body. So mm-hmm. what they do is they will be awarding certain of the projects to contractors. So contractors will be managing all these kind of units uh in in the in the repairs and you know alteration uh, uh, and so on, but. We are also looking at another prospect, which is, you know, just imagine that if government actually paid like uh, a renovation, partial of the renovation cost to your maybe one toilet. uh, mm-hmm. they, they call it a home improvement program that maybe government will pay like 2,000 two or 3,000 mm-hmm. for companies to do a repair. Most of the people will be like okay, since this person already coming to my house and do one unit of toilet renovation, why don't I just do a remodeling or uh upgrade to my entire units? So mm. this is another opportunity that we are seeing along the way. Besides, you know, just the A and A kind of projects or brand new projects. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Now that that's 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 super interesting because the 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 dynamics are similar, but there's definitely some nuances and distinction between the two markets that. It makes it a little bit challenging, but I also, yes. I guess, a, a little bit interesting for you as well, yeah?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Here in Malaysia, they don't really have like a government body to um, accommodate this kind of uh uh a But mm-hmm. here in Malaysia, we do have a lot of startups nowadays that's going into property management. Uh, like example, I think uh, Cozy Home, you know, mm-hmm. um, some of the companies probably, you know, they, they are doing these kind of things. So these are the people that we'll be working with in order for okay. us to, you know, sort of like impact together, kind of stuff. Okay.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So I guess since we since we were talking about kind of the expansion that's that's planned to Singapore, you've got it on the roadmap. When you look ahead at the future of Homa to you, how do you define success as an organization?
1: Um. This is a very very interesting topic. Um, I think a lot of startups would look the, look into the success of how many X growth you probably have, hmm. how many rounds of funding you probably created. But in HOMA, we we started being inspired by Zappos.com. Uh, we wanted to create like 10,000 happy customers in 2025. And we really wanted to focus very much on the impact that we would be able to create in our community. So I would say that defining success in HOMA is so much different that we wanted to make... Um, you know, three P into our our measurement, which is how we really able to influence the planet. Uh, I wouldn't say influence, impact the planets, impact the people, and then it will eventually impacts our profit as well. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. I I love I love the different principled approach to it. <laughs> that it's that it's not just kind of this singular profit centric uh, yeah. uh approach that you that you see out there many times. When, when looking at this, when when you look forward and you, and, you, and thinking in terms of expanding the business and driving towards those su- success metrics, is is there can you boil down to perhaps a thing single activity or a decision, something that you absolutely must get right, that if you got everything else right but not this one thing, that things would be jeopardized? is is there something that keeps you awake? something that is your primary focus when you look at executing?
1: Um, I think when we have a big plan, we wanted to make you know, our customer the happiest customer uh, in this segment. I think the people would be the major impacts that is going to drive this thing towards the yes and no. I think mm-hmm. grooming, grooming people from a different identity background is the hardest thing that we can do as a leader. Um, these are the parts that I will still say that I'm still very weak at, but in a learning stage that... Mm-hmm. We think empower, empowering talent and you know putting the right people in the right place is where uh I being the founders of the company is really looking at. While we wanted to achieve a lot of big dreams, we need to have a bunch of like-minded people that willing to chase things together with us. I think this is the major and one of the thing that it switches my focus besides just like you know chasing the numbers and so on. Yeah
0: yeah I, I love that it's the it's the team that's 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 out there working day to day it's the team that comes together to execute that's fantastic let, let me let me wrap up here with this my standard closing questions that i ask everyone mm-hmm. and the first one of these is is there a tech tool that you just can't live without um at
1: the moment i will say it's the. A- Maybe to a lot of people it doesn't make sense, but to me CRM is very, very important. This is one of the tools that we we did not implement in a first. Uh, when we started the company, and hence we really couldn't, you know, get through the data of what kind of customer and so on. And mm-hmm. we believe that being a customer centric company, right? We really need to have this data in order to move things forward. Of course, there might be a lot of. I mean, it's not just limiting to one, but I would say that this is the major thing that we are looking at at this point of time.
0: Okay. And and what is the CRM that you use, if I might ask? Uh
1: at a moment we are using HubSpot.
0: HubSpot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's and, that's I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of folks that I know that are using that and it's yeah. it's super powerful. Uh there's, there's a there's powerful, a lot of functionality yes. with it. Yeah. Yes, yeah,
1: yes, exactly, exactly.
0: Excellent. So the last closing question here before we wrap up is if you were to talk to another founder that's just getting started out what is the single biggest piece of advice that you could offer?
1: I would say always go back to the basic and um, yeah, go back to the basic because startup is really not easy because uh, we are doing something that is extraordinary from what businesses is running. We At times, we have to face people problem. We have to face finance problem. If you have like different kind of investor, you have to manage, you know, investor, there will be challenges happening in the market set because a lot of time we couldn't really see what is happening in the future. But always believe in things that you want to start uh, back to basic and believe in uh, believe in the belief that you have and always be persistent. Do not give up because uh things don't get easy. But if you overcome this and you look back, you will think that, hey, we actually did a good job. I think this is one of the important things that being a founder, the mindset is very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not easy being a founder and you need to have the correct mindset. That's that's yeah. some fantastic advice there. Penny, Remember thank why you, for... you started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, a lot of times you get lost along the journey because of all the ups and downs, you get you get distracted, the challenges get faced, but it's that kind of that center point. Yeah, that makes yeah. you that makes you deal with yeah. the long days, the tough yeah. hours, the challenges, etc.
1: Yes. It's never easy to run a startup, but it's very contented.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's that's a, that's a perfect thing for us to close on, Penny. I, I want to give yeah. you a big thanks for joining me on here. It's been thank a you, great Kevin, conversation. For having me. All right. Thank you. All right. That wraps it up for another fantastic episode of the Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, Please share it with a friend, go on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin@indelible.vc. at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.